Hello, welcome to Love Chapel Hill, where our name is our mission to love Chapel Hill with the heart of Jesus. I also want to invite any of you that might feel like you're new with us to consider going to a special event uh, that we're having and it's called The Heart. The Heart is a great way for you to find out more about the mission behind Love Chapel Hill, its history, where we are, and where we're going. You can join our staff and many other leaders in the church. You can ask questions. You can hear our stories. We can hear your story. Uh, this is happening on August 17th at 7.30. Uh, you can go to our website, lovechapelhill.com, where you can find all the Zoom information uh, so you can join us that day. Also, if you have, any, you have any needs, if you need help with anything, you need prayer, you need support, uh, or maybe you're looking for ways to connect with people at the church through like Bible studies and groups, and even our, our new Friday morning coffee break, uh, that's at 10 a.m. every Friday, you can go to lovechapelhill.com to find out all that information. It's on the main page. Just scroll down. Well, I want to thank you for joining us again today. And uh, stay tuned for a special worship session and a great message by Pastor Matt. Thank you for coming. Good morning, Love Chapel Hill. I'm Elena. This may be your first time watching with us, or you may have been watching with us for a few weeks now. We encourage you to reach out to us and let us know that you're with us. You can do this via our virtual connect card, which can be found under either the Facebook or YouTube video that you're watching. If you have made a decision to follow Christ, we'd love to hear it. If you have a question, we are here to answer. If you want to tell us your story, we'd love to hear it. Also, if you like a mask, we will send you one. And we can send you one if you fill out the virtual connect card. Thank you so much for joining with us. Guilt and lies 
Love Chapel Hill. Uh, I want to start by thanking our friends, Pastor Corey and Hannah, for preaching over the last couple of weeks. Um, just really appreciate their investment in our church family uh, and being voices of wisdom for us. So thank you for preaching the word into our hearts. Uh, we're going to keep moving now uh, in our series through Philippians. And today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, uh, looking at verses 4 through 7. And here's what the Apostle Paul has to say to us in these verses. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, speak through us today. Guide us. This word that you have inspired, we pray that you will speak it in a fresh way to us. Uh, challenge not just our minds and hearts, but the way that we embody this in our everyday lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, so uh, a few things that stand out to me um, right off uh, about this passage. Uh, there are three words that come to the surface here. Uh, the word joy, as Paul uh, gives us this challenge to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. So we've got that word joy. Uh, second, we have the word gentleness. And third, we have the word peace. Joy, gentleness, and peace. I find these words to be really interesting right now uh, because these three words are not usually associated with like wild adventure or revolution, right? Joy, gentleness, and peace. But strangely and suddenly, uh, they feel quite subversive in the moment that we find ourselves in. They feel quite revolutionary and quite countercultural uh, as we walk through this time together. Joy, gentleness, and peace. Joy in a moment of national grief and mourning. And some would even um, characterize this as a time of despair. And in the middle of that, Paul is challenging us to live with joy. Uh, gentleness in a moment of anger and bitter division. Peace in a moment of pandemic and anxiety and fear. So these are three words that aren't usually associated with revolution, but they feel so subversive and countercultural right now. Uh, you probably, as you hear those words mentioned in association with a letter written by the Apostle Paul, you're probably making that mental connection already and that heart connection already as we recognize that Scripture uh, is in this conversation with itself uh, and as we live with that kind of spiritual imagination uh, to keep connecting these threads together. Uh, probably as you hear those words associated with Paul in a letter from Paul, joy, gentleness, and peace, you're making that connection with the fruit of the Spirit, where he mentions these three characteristics of the Christian, the three characteristics of the personality of Jesus uh, when he describes the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. 
And so uh, we make that connection immediately. Um, when Paul describes that kind of life that the Christian is supposed to be marked by and these characteristics of the personality of Jesus through us, um, we think about the time that we spent together uh, not too long ago in, in the Gospel of John as Jesus is around the table with his disciples on the last night. And he begins to describe himself as the true vine. And he says that his father is the gardener. And that as we bear fruit empowered by the Holy Spirit, the only way that we can bear fruit is to live this life of abiding in Christ. That matches up with what Paul has been saying in the book of Philippians as he challenges us with this mysterious statement of to live is Christ. Our very way of being is Christ. Our very way of existence is Christ. Not just to live for Christ or to live in Christ, but to live is Christ. Um, so we see all of those pieces coming together. And so we get that mental picture again and uh, we place ourselves there in this reminder that we are being cultivated by the gardener, the Father himself, and that we're called to live in this life that's rooted in Jesus, abiding in the true vine of Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And out of that being filled with the Holy Spirit, we bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, on the branches of our lives, as we're rooted in that rich soil of Scripture, planted by that stream of living water of the Holy Spirit, empowering us and filling us for that potential. So we see those three uh, things and those three characteristics of the personality of Jesus that we are told should also be alive in us, should be seen on the branches of our lives, but only as we're rooted in Christ, abiding in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit and bearing the fruit of the Spirit for a hungry world to taste. So we're going to take those three uh, one by one. And uh, let's start with that statement about joy. So right there in verse 4, he says, Rejoice. And again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. I find it interesting that he says it twice. It's almost like he knows he needs to repeat himself, right? So he gives this challenge of rejoice in the Lord always. And then he follows it up with this sense of, yeah, I said it, rejoice, okay? Uh, that he has to repeat it again. Uh, there's a commentator, William Barclay, and he, he puts it this way. He says it's almost like Paul looks around at his own life, at his own circumstances. And remember that Paul's writing this from prison. Uh, he's been thrown in prison by the Roman Empire for proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, the good news that Jesus is king, that Jesus is Lord, therefore Caesar is not, uh, and proclaiming the arrival of this kingdom of God. And uh, the Roman Empire sees that as a threat. And so he's thrown into prison for that. So Paul is looking around at his own surroundings. He sees himself in prison and he knows that execution is a very real possibility in his future hanging over his head. Uh, the possibility of dying for the cause of the gospel and for the sake of Jesus Christ. It's also like he's looking ahead. And he's looking ahead at what the Philippians are going to face, what this church in Philippi is going to be up against. Uh, these believers who are going to face persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And these believers who are living 
under the rule and the reign of the Roman Empire in a particularly uh, nationalistic community there in Philippi. And so all of the threat that comes with that and the persecution that comes with that as they declare this truth that Jesus is Lord. So it's like he's looking around at his own life. He's looking ahead at what the Philippians are going to have to walk through. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, rejoice. Rejoice, even though I know what I'm going through, even though I know what you're going through, defiantly I say in the face of it all, rejoice. Be marked by joy. And so when Paul is saying this, this is not some kind of blind optimism, but instead it's a visionary contentment. Visionary contentment. Those are two words that you don't often put together, right? Uh, But this visionary contentment of knowing who you are in Christ, knowing whose you are, knowing that he is in control no matter what is going on around us. It's not denying reality, but it's this defiant joy anyway, even in the face of it. Rejoice in the Lord always. This echoes the Beatitudes that Jesus lays out for us as the introduction uh, to the Sermon on the Mount, this revolutionary vision of what the kingdom of God looks like in the real world as it's breaking into the world. And this echoes that same kind of thing of blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted. That makes no sense as you look around at the reality of the world around us. But actually it does because it's visionary contentment that sees beyond the reality that's on the surface and sees to the root and to the heart of the ultimate reality that is the kingdom of God in this world. And Paul says, because you're a part of the kingdom of God, you must be marked by the culture of the kingdom. Rejoice, be marked by joy, even in this moment that we are living in and in this moment of grief, in this moment of mourning, and as some would say, even a moment of despair. You don't despair. Instead, you are filled with joy. You are marked by joy. Not blind optimism, but visionary contentment. Visionary contentment. The kingdom of God is invisible to the untrained eye, but it's made visible through the surrendered life. And one of the ways it becomes visible in our community and in our culture right now is that we are marked by joy, even in a time of grief, even in a time that many would describe as a time of despair. So Paul goes on. Uh, Verse 5, he says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. This is really interesting. This is a very interesting word because um, in the original language in which this is written, in the original Greek language, uh, there is so much struggle um, for modern translators to figure out exactly what this word meant originally. And so you're going to see all kinds of translations and definitions for this term. Uh, Sometimes you'll see the word softness. Uh, Sometimes you'll see the word reasonableness. And in some of your translations, that's probably what it says. Um, And even in some cases, it's a word that gets associated with weakness. Softness and weakness. Is this what Paul is talking about? Is he telling us to be soft and weak? Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. Uh, he's pointing to the character of Jesus. Once again, the fruit of the Spirit, the personality of Jesus being seen through each of us and in our lives. And he's pointing to the gentleness of Jesus. And the gentleness of Jesus is not weak. It is not soft. The gentleness of Jesus is not weak. Instead, it is strength. It's the strength of the one that we call the Almighty, God above all things, the all-powerful God. And yet, in his humility, he is moving in his strength with consideration for the weak. That's what gentleness is. It is strength that moves with consideration for those who are hurting. Okay? Uh, this week, um, I had the uh, interesting experience of uh, my son Sam running into the house and letting me know that he had found a squirrel. Okay, uh, he found this injured squirrel. He was just playing in our yard there and, and in the, the woods right there, kind of around our house. Uh, and in the observant way that only a child could actually notice, okay, uh, he sees this squirrel that is like caught in this section of thorns. And so he gets closer to try to see it because uh, he loves squirrels. And uh, as he got closer, he noticed that the squirrel was moving a little bit, but seemed to not be able to get out. And so he came into the house and he got some scissors to go and cut out the thorns so that the squirrel could escape. After cutting away the thorns, he realized the squirrel still wasn't moving. And uh, so as he went closer, he came and got in some, got his soccer goalie gloves so that he could pick up the squirrel. <laughs> and uh, so he picked up the squirrel to try to get it out of that place where it was trapped. And after getting the squirrel out, the squirrel still wasn't moving. The squirrel wasn't going anywhere. So he came and got me and, and, and had me come to try to help. As I'm Googling, like, what do you do with an injured squirrel and end up calling the, like, wildlife people to, to help us out there, uh, the thing that I kept saying to them, to my boys over and over again was, be gentle, be gentle be gentle. And so in that they go and they get a box and, and they like uh, make it cushioned and soft and gentle there in this <laughs> shoe box to place the squirrel in it so that we could get the squirrel to help. Okay. But in that, I just kept saying over and over, be gentle, be gentle, be gentle. Did I mean be weak? No, I didn't mean be weak. I meant you are stronger than this injured squirrel. So use your gentleness on behalf of the squirrel. Use your strength on behalf of the squirrel. And in that strength, be gentle as you are helping. I think in a very strange way, <laughs> admittedly strange way, uh, that is a glimpse into the gentleness of Jesus and the gentleness of God. He uses his strength on our behalf. And Paul says, you have to be marked by that same kind of strength as well. This isn't the kind of strength that beats its chest, but instead the kind of strength that extends its hand. Gentleness is not the kind of strength that beats its chest, but instead extends its hand. And we all have to be marked by that. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I want to encourage you, love Chapel Hill in the way that you have done this. Um, I'm moved by this as I've been thinking about it over the past week and how you have let the strength of Jesus 
how you have let it be evident and be seen in really tangible ways on behalf of other people around you. Uh, as one uh, resource describes gentleness as Christ-like consideration for another. Christ-like consideration for another. You have been marked by this and you have made your gentleness evident to all in this community. Since the moment um, we all started personally being affected by the coronavirus and by COVID-19, uh, you responded right off the bat and you showed your gentleness and you showed our community that the Lord is in fact near and that the kingdom of God is here and now. You showed that in some really beautiful ways. Our college students, um, as your classes got canceled, many of you reached out to us right away and you said, how can I help? How can I help um, people that are part of this church family? How can I help families who need childcare now that, that uh, school is being canceled as well? Can I step in and provide some childcare for people in the community? Um, many of you jumped in with our partners and friends at table uh, that as our local schools were closed, uh, you became concerned and burdened for school children who rely on lunch provided at the school, lunch and breakfast provided at the school for the meals that they are going to get that day. And many of you jumped in to help table. You made financial donations, you made food donations, you made time donations. And that's absolutely beautiful. That's the gentleness of Jesus being seen, Christ-like consideration for another. We can't mention food without talking about our friend Vimala, who owns Vimala's Curry Blossom Cafe. Uh, her motto is Vimala cooks, everybody eats. And she has lived that out. And many of you have been a part of that with her. And it's so beautiful. She started something called a Blessing Blitz, where every Friday evening she prepared food and some of you part of the church family helped prepare that food and then helped deliver it to other people who were in need. That tangible expression of Christ-like consideration, evident to all, tangible to all. Some of you, when the news came through that we were going to be receiving stimulus checks, some of you said, my job is secure. I'm okay. I want to give that stimulus check away. And some of you gave your stimulus checks away to make sure that other people around you were able to stay in their homes, were able to keep their lights on, were able to keep their phones working. That is the gentleness of Jesus and it's evident to all. Some of you uh, made masks and you've given them out downtown. We've given out almost 100 masks downtown for people who need them, many of them being our friends who are experiencing homelessness. And as the word started to roll out that in our local community and across the state, we were going to be under a stay-at-home order, for many of you, those were the first friends that you thought of. You thought about our friends and family who are part of the church, who are experiencing homelessness. And as you heard the words, stay at home, you thought about the people who don't have a home. And you were quick to make sure that they were cared for and that the love of Jesus was making its way to them. Uh, every Sunday morning, we've been joined by people uh, who will go down to the varsity still, even though we can't meet there for worship, we'll go down there on Sunday mornings and take a breakfast for many of our friends who are part of our church family and to make sure that they 
are doing okay. And you've continued to build that bridge. Many of you over the past couple of months have shown the gentleness of Christ in a different way, in a strong and prophetic kind of way. Many of you have marched. Many of you have protested against racial injustice that continues to plague our country and our own community. And you spoke with boldness against that. You used your voice to speak up against it. And you used your voice to engage each other in meaningful and difficult conversations about what it looks like to be the beloved community, to be the kingdom of God. Those are all beautiful expressions of the mission of the church and what it looks like for us to love Chapel Hill with the heart of Jesus. Uh, many of you have continued to engage in worship in other forms as well. Um, when it came to the realization that we weren't going to be able to continue to meet like we normally do at the varsity, you rallied together and you recognized right from the beginning that we've been saying since this church was planted that the church is not a service and the church is not a building. You have always embodied that and you've continued to embody that through this time. So you found creative ways to continue to be the church, to express the mission of the church. And part of that is through worship. Uh, whether you have served behind the camera or in front of your iPhone or in, in, at your computer or so many different ways that you all have helped make um, worship together to continue to be a possibility and a reality for us. So many of you have jumped in and you've engaged and you've helped continue to spread the word. You get it and you embody it and we absolutely are humbled um, as we see you live that out. Uh, you've continued to engage with discipleship and prayer and this calling that the Holy Spirit has given to us to press into prayer in deeper ways. And so our prayer meeting has actually expanded during this time as we've been forced to do it by Zoom. Uh, we've seen that expand. And so one of our college students uh, who was always a part of the prayer meeting brought her mom in. And even when she had to leave to be a part of an internship and hasn't been able to continue to be a part of the prayer meeting, her mom is still there every week. And I love that. Uh, for our Bible study, uh, that's continued to expand in all of our small groups and the way that you have continued to put discipleship as a focus in your life. Um, for our Bible study, uh, there was one night where almost half of the people at the Bible study uh, were new to the church and had only joined us since the time in which we hadn't been able to meet for worship. They've never walked through the doors of the varsity. We've never talked face to face, but we've been able to become a part of the same church family because you've continued to put your focus on that uh, and continue to engage with that. Our discipleship bands, these groups of three to five uh, people who are meeting in, in intentionally intensive discipleship relationships, our discipleship bands have practically doubled since the beginning of COVID-19. Uh, since the time in which we weren't allowed to gather together for worship in our normal way, uh, our discipleship bands have practically doubled. Um, you continue to show what Paul is talking about right here, of letting your gentleness be evident to all, and the Lord is near. And we sense that, and we sense it now more 
than ever. We've used this phrase of love will bridge the distance. You've lived it. You have lived that out. Here's the reality though. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. Uh, We don't know what is coming next. There's no way for us to know. But we know that God has always been faithful. And we know that you've always been faithful to continue to embody the mission of the church. And so we challenge you to continue to do that. Keep pressing on. Keep holding fast. We're not done yet. And the creativity of the Holy Spirit is going to continue to guide us into what's coming next. The last thing we're wrapping up here. Uh, In verses 6 to 7, Paul talks about peace. So he's challenged us to be joyful. He's challenged us in in this sense of gentleness and the gentleness of Jesus, Christ-like consideration for another. And now he challenges us with what might be the most difficult of all during this time. And this challenge towards peace, being people of peace. And he says, in the peace of God, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I find that so interesting. We're going to dig more into that next week because it really overlaps with the next section. Um, And So we're going to dig more into that next week. But let me just end it by pointing this out. Um, I think it's so interesting. Again, it's not a denial of of reality. Instead, it's a a a defiant view of the ultimate reality of the kingdom of God. And as Paul is writing these words about the peace of God guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, the reality for Paul is, is that he's being guarded. He is physically being guarded. His physical body is being guarded by the Roman Empire as he is in in, in prison. And so here he is and he's seeing this and as he's writing this letter, he's looking and he's seeing how this guard is probably pacing back and forth or keeping watch on him to make sure nothing gets in and that he doesn't get out, right? And so this guard that is posted there and watching every move that Paul is making. His physical body is being guarded and there's nothing Paul can do about that. That's the reality of Paul's life. But he has this defiant view of the deeper reality and he knows that even as his physical body is being guarded by the power of the Roman Empire, an even deeper truth is that his heart and his mind is being guarded by the power and the peace of God in Christ Jesus. That's powerful. You have absolutely no control over many of the physical circumstances around you. And in a sense, much like Paul, you don't have any control over that kind of guard that's been set on your life. But we do have a control, as strange and backwards as it seems, it's a control that comes through surrender to Jesus. And we do have a control over who guards our hearts and minds. And so we surrender and we open up our hands and we say, even in this time, we pray for peace, even in pandemic, even in anxiety and even in fear. And we ask that the peace of God would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That is our prayer for you. Joy, gentleness and peace. 
joy, gentleness, and peace. Not exactly threatening words, not exactly wild words, and they don't seem like revolution. But in this day that we find ourselves in, they are quite subversive. They are quite countercultural, and they are even revolutionary. And Jesus invites us to live those out and to be the glimpses and the flickers of the reality of the kingdom of God that is here and that is now. It is invisible to the untrained eye, but it becomes visible through the surrendered life.
Morning, everyone. I'm Adrian, and I pray that Matt's message this morning has encouraged you and lifted you up and stirred your heart, and more than anything, reminded you of the Lord's never-ending closeness to us. We are never far from God because He never leaves our side. And even though it's not Christmas time, we can still use the phrase Emmanuel, God with us, to encourage us and remind us of the Lord's character. I think that's an even greater comfort during one of the most traumatic collective experiences our church has had and our global family has had. Um, If you're anything like me, maybe you haven't felt completely like yourself since like March, Um, but even our own selves aren't constant. The Lord is our only constant. So I'm reminding you as much as I'm reminding myself to lean into the Lord's character, his joy, his gentleness, his peace, and watch that come to fruition in our own lives. Maybe it looks like organizing for peace or showing gentleness to our natural world and those who live in it, or maybe it's just finding joy in the knowledge that the Lord is always with us, that he's Emmanuel, that he will never leave us. I hope that encourages you, church, and I'm praying that you all have a fantastic week. Peace.